You're listening to the AR-15 Podcast on the Firearms Radio Network. Welcome to the AR-15 Podcast. AR-15 Podcast. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you. If you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years, there is something we can all do to take our black rifle to the next level. Welcome to episode number 148 of the AR-15 Podcast. We are going to sit down tonight and discuss some things that I believe have some uh, relevance due to recent events. Uh, but before we get started and explain what we are about uh, tonight, I want to let you all know that Anthony Hardy is going to be coming back in his uh, light-duty capacity as a co-host. Anthony, it's good to see you. He's silent. He doesn't even know, remember how to <laughs> unmute his microphone. That's all right, Anthony. So we wanted to let you uh, know that we are in the midst of registration for our giveaway for the Vortex Spitfire One Power Prism Scope. And this may very well be the last podcast you will hear before the actual drawing on Thanksgiving Day. So we want to remind you that if you have a first responder uh, in your life that you are proud of, that you appreciate, that you want to thank. Uh, we'd ask you to go over to the show notes or come on over to our Facebook page and click on the links presented so that you can enter your favorite first responder for this drawing. Once again, it is a Vortex Spitfire One Power Prism Scope. I'm assuming that we all have heard of the tragic events in uh, in Paris. And, uh, J.D., you brought up a, a pretty... Valid point, and I think that really circles around the idea of America being a nation that allows us to own firearms, unlike France. We as citizens in a place where an armed society is a polite society have the ability to take firearms of defense with us so that if something like this were to happen, we prepared for who knows, a response, a tactical retreat, just making sure that if someone is going to directly engage you, you're not going to be unarmed. So I think it really is kind of a, a very, very topical discussion. Why don't we uh, weigh in on uh, everybody's thoughts about what these recent events have uh, spurred in terms of thought for everybody? J.D., um, tell me what's on your mind. For me, I have a CCW, so I have a, a sidearm with me. But seeing the extent of the attacks and the, the things that have gone on before, just realizing that it might be time to start considering having something a little bit um, heavier in the arsenal that travels with me, not because I want to be a hero or not because I I hope something happens. It's just because I want to be able to get out with my life to get back to my family. If something happens, I work in a major city on the West coast. I work in a horrible part of town. So we're starting to see things. We've, I was just talking to somebody at work. We've had four bodies show up within a mile radius of our work in the last six weeks, whether it's terror, whether it's something else, maybe a little bit more peace of mind to be better prepared. JW, what are your thoughts? I guess seeing some of the images that have come out of Paris, especially in the uh, concert hall, it's a really frightening experience to try and put your mind into um, that somebody would come in, uh, basically lock everybody in um, or block the exits uh, kind of with guys with guns and bombs. Grenades, everybody, and everybody inside is just stuck 
Um, they're living in a society where uh, chances are much higher than not that no one in the audience is prepared to defend themselves with lethal force. Um, it's just something that's not available to the average citizen there. Um, their laws for concealed carry are extremely restrictive, and they're really connected to um, individuals that use them on more of a commercial basis, um, guys that carry cash around, security guards at banks, things like that. So the average citizenry uh, becomes that much softer of a target, a target that can't fight back with the same level of lethality as some of these attackers are presenting. Um, so it's, I mean, it's a really scary situation to put yourself into where you're stuck in a building. Terrorists uh, have presented themselves. You have no way to escape and no way to fight back at the same level as, as they're presenting. Um, so I guess the first First thing that you think about stateside is that hopefully you live in a state where you are able to arm yourself so that if a threat arises that's presenting a lethal threat to your life, um, to the lives of the people that you're enjoying a concert with, um, that you can actually respond to that threat, that your options aren't only run or hide, but you actually have a third option available, and that's to fight. And the fighting can preserve your life longer, and what it can actually do is preserve the lives of everyone in that theater uh, a lot longer as well if you're willing to stand up and fight for the rest of the audience there. Anthony? I work in education, in higher education, actually, and uh, we teach um, run, fight, uh, or run, hide, fight uh, as a, a three-tier option for our faculty and staff because um, we do not have we currently do not have concealed carry allowed um, but that seems to be the standard across the nation here currently and it seems to me to me that in the case of, of Paris had there been someone that had had the means to fight um, that situation would likely have been drastically different you know uh, being able to move from a, a just a concealed carry into like what you guys were saying um, move into something a little bit heavier um, you know move into a rifle does seem like a really good idea so I can definitely tell where that would be that's something that I've given serious consideration to and have actually from time to time um, I have uh, made sure that I had some other options available to me while I was on campus that were legal, you know, they're stored legally, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not guaranteeing anywhere I'm not supposed to, but made sure that I have some other options available to me other than just a handgun. Well, you know, I think these are all really, really outstanding points. So why don't we go ahead and begin the topic? Uh, and uh, JD, I'm going to kind of let you uh, lead the the discussion here. These are your thoughts uh, in the notes. So uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, get us started here with our. Uh, what came to mind is what would be the ideal truck or trunk gun that we could carry? Uh, something that you could have secured in your in your vehicle that would be close to you if you commute. Uh, something you'd have access to if you needed it uh, in a situation. Just a couple reasons why, uh, you know, we look at Paris and sometimes um, news like that, it, it's far away, but it can also happen here. You know, there's been incidences here where, you know, 
somebody armed in the crowd or somebody that was able to bring in something a little bit bigger may have been able to protect others or protect themselves. So uh, protection from a major event, we live in a day and age when terrorism is just a reality of life. It is something uh, we're going to have to deal with um, from here on out probably. Self-defense is another reason why, um, if you're out shooting, uh, sometimes that truck gun can be the, you know, the protection, the gun that's just left alone to have in case a situation arises where you need it. Like I stated, I work in a, a major city on the West Coast. We're in a bad neighborhood. We had somebody take a machete to a child in our neighborhood. It is, um, we've seen it steadily go downhill and relocating the business is is not an option. So workplace protection is something that uh, we've really talked about over the last couple of years. And um, thankfully, I work for an employer that um, it's not scary for them to see me walk down the hall with a rifle or something or have a shotgun in the office. Um, they're, they're pretty supportive of that to protect the uh, 11 employees we have in the office and also myself. Um, another thing is if something crazy breaks out, you know, we've seen terrorist attacks, riots, things like that. I want to get home to my family. I may not be able to drive all the way there, so I may have to walk. And uh, I may have to be protected in that walk home. So uh, having a uh, pistol is great. But if you have a rifle, it uh, gives you a little bit more of an advantage to get home and gives you a little bit more firepower in case somebody wants to come in between you and getting to your family. So those those are the reasons, Reed, why I thought uh, it was important to be prepared uh, to have a truck gun. And, I mean, there's all sorts of different options to, to make it happen. But, Anthony and JW, I don't know if you want to drop your, you know, your $2,500 AR into your trunk or, you know, have it mounted in the back of your truck. So uh, cost is definitely something um, I was thinking about. If I was going to buy a truck gun, um, or something I kept in the trunk. I'd want to spend probably 400 to 700 max. I don't know how you, how do you guys feel about that? Something in your car that unfortunately in this day and age, there's a possibility it gets stolen. You used to be able to have guns in a gun rack and it's no big deal. Now, um, somebody knows it's there. They can take it. Would, would you guys feel comfortable spending in that range for a truck gun? Yeah. Funny enough, I was actually talking to, um, <clears throat> one of the local police officers who works on the firearms division here in Pittsburgh, um, they do all of uh, the paperwork for uh, firearms that are recovered at crimes, that are found, that are reported stolen. And they kind of w- walked me through the workflow for, um, okay, you, one of your firearms goes missing. It was stolen out of your car, out of your home. What happens? Uh, how does the trace process work? Um what what's the legality of okay once a gun uh is involved in a crime it gets um taken in by the police how does it get released back to the rightful owner if there is one um and it's this whole complicated process that you never really think about um but it definitely brings up the fact that well guys that leave firearms in their cars uh sometimes their cars get broken into and yeah. whether that's uh because the firearm is in plain sight um or whether it's just the, a car is going to be broken into, uh, whether it has a gun in it or whether it's got a wallet in it or a cell phone or a GPS device, um, cars get broken into. Uh, so I think there's something to be said for 
if it gets stolen, um, reducing the kind of the impact of that hit. Um, I think if, if you've got a rifle and it got stolen, uh, no matter how much it costs, it's going to be a big deal. There's going to be a lot of paperwork and it's going to be, um, something that you wish didn't happen. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I'd lean more towards having something that I can depend on and I trust, uh, rather than something that I've gotten on clearance. Um, and I haven't really tested, uh, to the full extent of maybe one of the higher end builds. Well, you know, I think, uh, JW, that it may have been a point that you made in another show. You know, obviously when you have something in your automobile and your car gets broken in most jurisdictions, if you have a requirement to have insurance, or if you're carrying full coverage just because that's, you know, what you do, uh, more than likely your, your firearm is covered. Now obviously if the government comes in, or the insurance company comes in, I'm sorry, and pays a claim, you know, you're gonna go out and be able to replace what was stolen, um, pretty quickly. Uh, at that point, whatever was stolen belongs to the insurance company, and regardless of whether the police recovered or not, it's their worry at that point. You get to proceed with your new firearm. You know, obviously there's limits on what's covered. I call my agent and find out what that's going to look like, but really when it comes down to it, I don't think that you should not carry something because you're afraid of the financial cost. I mean, I think it's probably pretty reasonable that on average we're not all going to suffer that same kind of loss, you know, once, much more than multiple times. So, you know, I think you have to put that in perspective of the larger universe of opportunities that you're going to be a victim. And then weigh that against what it is you're really trying to, you know, mitigate. We yeah, I think one of the reasons to um, maybe keep it on the lower end of the price spectrum is this is probably a rifle that you're going to want to keep in place and not put in into the car, out of the car, take it out to the range, shoot it all the time. It's something that is almost the equivalent of the rifle that you put in the tube and bury in the backyard. It's something that's always there, ready. Uh, it's not something that you use on a daily basis, uh, but you're confident in it and you, you've made an investment in it, but maybe, uh, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles because it's just going to be sitting there in the trunk 99% of the time. Right. So, uh, Anthony, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it basically follows what you guys have already said, but, um, the one thing I would say, and I think it's, uh, it's mentioned here in the, in the outline for the show notes, it, it definitely is a, a familiarity thing. Cause you know, there, there are, are things that you do when you, when you get used to your customized firearm, like if you've got a, a bad lever on it or, or something like that, that you do in your regular operations. So when you train, if you do have a truck gun or something like that, um, if you're going to use it for self-defense, if you're really going to have your life depending on this rifle, I would make sure it's it's outfitted in the same functional way. You may not have all the bells and whistles like JW was saying, but you should have a similar set of functions. You know, I wouldn't if I have a bad lever on my my main rifle that I use all the time that I keep at home. Uh, I'm going to make sure I put a bad because it's only thirty dollars or so. I'm going to put a bad lever on. Um, the rifle almost stick in the trunk so that I know that I'm going to, um, operate my, my bolt the same way. So that's, yeah, that's, that's a good the, point. That's one of the things that I would think about. You know, I mean, you, you don't want to change, you don't want to have to rethink 
or uh, move outside of your regular training um, when you're defending your life. So um, I would make sure that anything that I'm going to, to bet my life on um, has the same, uh, same, same basic setup. All right. What's our next point, J.D.? I think uh, we covered the reliability and the familiarity with the uh, uh, in the cost thing. So great points, guys. Um, I was looking around just at some different options that you could have um, for a truck gun. Um, you know, even building your own being really cost effective. Um, you know, the blemished uppers and lowers. If this isn't going to be the one that you get out to show all your friends, and most likely if it's in your trunk or it's in your truck, it's going to get beat up a little bit. It's going to get hit. It's going to, you know, take some um, bumps and bruises. So uh, blemished uppers and lowers, uh, maybe even parts that you've used for other builds or you're, you're upgrading or moving things around. So building your own may be a pretty cost-effective way to get one of those. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're looking for something that's reliable, familiar uh, to what you're normally using. So, being able to, you know, match grade barrel and things like that may not be exactly what you need on this rifle. Um, also, some other ways to go uh, used. I, I was looking around a pawn store this past weekend. Um, it seems a lot of rifles are on the shelves, and they're trying to get rid of them. So I'm seeing prices go down a little bit. Uh, gun broker, private party sales, and then I uh, was looking for some new subject, new uh, ARs to see where the price range kind of lays out on some of these. And I've shot several of these and haven't had a problem. So at that price point of in between $500 to $700 at the top, uh, there's some pretty good rifles out there, guys. Uh, Smith & Wesson's M&P 15, um, Palmetto State, they've got their Freedom Rifle at 620, Arrow's got one at 700, Wyndham uh, 560, and Ruger, um, at about $600. Um, these are just some quick prices I looked up. So really to, I mean, all those, unless anybody else has other experience, seem to be pretty reliable rifles to, uh, uh, secure in your vehicle. Yeah, for sure. I've been kind of looking at some, something in the similar price range. Um, hoping to get my dad into a rifle here for Christmas and it was weighing between that or doing a build and, I mean, the prices on some of these entry rifles from guys like Smith & Wesson and Ruger are really tough to argue with once uh, you add up all the different parts kits and uh, uppers. And, um, yeah, you get some some choices when you can do your own build. But some of these off-the-shelf rifles are, are really starting to be competitive. Have you guys um, heard of American Tactical? No. ATI? ATI, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at uh, our local gun shop has an ATI full build for 469. Yeah, I think really when it comes down to it, the question of your direction and how you're going to really down to what you can put your faith into. Yep. You know, <clears throat> a new AR with many manufacturers that have a good reputation, there's absolutely no doubt that it's going to do what it advertises. Pawn shops. You know, someone with a good eye ought to be able to look at most anything in a pawn shop and tell you whether the AR is not such a complex system that you can't divine with a, you know, pretty thorough, you know, check, uh, what, what is going wrong with the rifle. Uh, and, you know, on your build your own, as long as you're buying parts that you can properly source, 
if it's someplace shipping out of Hong Kong, I wouldn't even begin to think about buying it. But, you know, the otherwise most of the, the people that trade in these things are trading in, in brands and names that people know and trust. So, I mean, I think it's all good, but it comes down to that, that bottom line of where are you going to put your – and that is something that I think is uh, an individual choice. I would I would buy any of the the in the list. I don't think that there's anything wrong with them. Uh, you know, certainly I don't have experience, but you listen to people talk, and I'd build my own. Uh, the pawn shops, I don't know. I mean, that's that's kind of the part where I would want to make sure I'm, you know, double checking myself and making sure I'm, you know, not getting lured by something really cheap into thinking I'm getting one over on the pawn. At the end of the day, that guy's a pro. I think he's probably getting one over on me, Bill. <laughs> So, you know, I, I think it's about that idea of faith. Because really, if what you're thinking is, when the moment comes that I have to pull this out, it better do what it says it needs to do, I have to have that faith. JW, what are your thoughts? No, I agree. I agree. So we got a, we got a rifle. Uh, what are we going to put on it? That's the fun part here. What are some <laughs> uh, accessories, um, optics, things like that? What? you think goes into a good truck gun build something that's going to be um kind of static for a long period of time it might get jostled around um and it's probably not it's not something that you're going to take out once a week and lube and change the batteries and all that so i think there's some special considerations that go into the accessories you choose i'd say uh, i'd probably be on a, a flashlight um or some sort of light on the front of it, not knowing what circumstances you're going to run into. Um, probably optic wise, I just stick to pop-up sights. Um, I try to, when I shoot with those, also shoot with those is just as much as I do with, uh, an aim point or an EOTech. So that way I'm comfortable with it. I don't have to worry about the batteries or I don't have to worry about, you know, it, where it's mounted in my truck getting hit and actually breaking and then not having anything. So the pop-up sights, I feel like I could rely on. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think that's yeah, an interesting I, I, point. When you think about the idea that we're going to have a cost-effective build, you know, a good, you know, brand market, you know, optic on a, you know, you know, an Aimpoint, an Eotech, we're talking something that is as much as the rifle here, and it really begins to kind of counterbalance your argument. So, you know, really when you're talking about that, it doesn't make some sense. And then to go with the lower cost, lesser quality optics, it's more susceptible to the things, J.D., that you're talking about. You go buy an NC Star, I swear, even if you just took it to the range, it's not going to be sighted in from the last time you you know put it in the gun safe. Um, they're and just as soon as junk. the temperature drops below, I don't know, 35 degrees, the battery's going to go dead, and it's going mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to be useless the first time you pull it out. So, you know, I, I, I kind of like the idea of just a pure and simple set of iron sights. Um, it's really hard to mess those up. You got to be some kind of a. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was kind of leaning towards some of these lower, uh, magnified optics. Uh, I really like the one to fours and the one to sixes that have been coming out. But the yep. fact that this could be bouncing around in your car all day long. Um, you really got to be confident in it. So is this uh, a Chinese piece of glass that 
might wander if it starts banging around, or is this something that you got to spend fifteen hundred bucks for an optic? And so at that that point, we go back to our cost argument. So sticking with something uh, fixed uh, that for it to go out of whack, it has to have cranked a big knob and risen or fallen in its uh, threaded adjustment channel um, versus uh, something that has all these internal turrets and erectors and um, a much more complicated device. Um, the other thing, just because I have had these Spitfires here rolling around for the last couple months, um, that's also an interesting option um, because you can do the one power, you can do the three power, um, very simple, um, and it's got the ground glass reticle. So if the battery does go dead, you still got a reticle there that you can use just fine. Um, so I, I might be swayed to do something like that. Um, but as Reed always says, you, you can't go wrong with irons. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to make sure you, you have your backup irons if you're going to put an optic on. I mean, you have to do that for sure, at least. Yeah, and I know uh, JD kind of just mentioned it real quickly, but flashlights, 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 yep. definitely um, something dependable, an LED that's going to have a nice long battery life, and some good batteries. Don't just grab the cheapy uh, CR123s, uh, the cheapest ones you can find on Amazon. Get some good quality batteries. Check it every once in a while. Make sure it's still lighting up, and uh, you could be definitely um, depending your life on on the light that's coming out of that flashlight. Yeah. So, what do you think about complexity? Of it? I was just occurred to me that if you've got your rifle in your truck and your flashlight has a tape switch on it, and it's been you know banging around and you know flickering on and off you know, inside a case or something, how quickly can that burn out? You know, if it's just a, is it the uh, thorn tail that has just a thumb activated switch, JW? Mm-hmm. You see? Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for making sure you've got the right switchology, as some guys say. <laughs> um, is this just a temporary, like a momentary switch that just setting something on it wrong is going to activate it and it's going to burn the batteries up? Mm-hmm. Or is there a lockout feature that you could kind of unscrew the tail cap until you're ready to use it? Right. Um, think about that because I know I've got a one of those APLs on a handgun of mine, and it just doesn't work because I haven't um, taken the time to switch the batteries on it because it seems like whenever I throw it in a bag, that sucker activates <laughs> on its own and it burns up the batteries. So <laughs> it's useless to me. Um, so think about that. So. Um what about a sling? You know, here's my perspective. We're not talking about something that you are going to wade into the conflict in, that you're going to have the time to gear up and get yourself set up. You're talking about a grab-it-and-go kind of thing. I don't know that a sling is all that necessary in that situation. Uh, I don't think that you're talking about I don't about think a, having a sling could be a bad thing. No, but... I just don't know that it really alters the math. We're not talking about a protracted engagement. We're talking about basically finding safety. Um, yeah, and if JD's out with some of his kids and he's wanting to hold their hands to move them through the crowd, then maybe he wants to be able to sling his rifle um, rather than having to 
hold a kid and rifle and another kid <laughs> and another kid because he's got a lot of those kids. Well, I, I hear you, but I think the, the flip side to that argument is if you're in that situation and you're having to strap your rifle so you can grab your kids, your rifle really isn't as important to you as it is having all of your hands free. I think it just depends on your situation, you know, um, and your situation can change. It can go back and forth from needing your hands on your rifle to needing your hands free. So if if it's in a situation where you don't think you would ever need a sling, then it's just a, yeah, you don't really need it. But uh, it can't hurt, I don't think. No, it's, it's, it's cool ways to just kind of run, run a rubber band around the stock or something and get it out of the way. And, yep. uh, yeah, I don't think it hurt to have it on there. Any other uh, widgets? JD, what are your thoughts on the swing since you have so many kids you have to handle? Oh, God. <laughs> well, um, uh, it's easier to sling a rifle than a kid. Um, but I was thinking the distance when I put it in there, the distance to my work from home, it's about 24 miles. Yeah. If you so got to walk that long, that's a, if I, if I can sling it, it's, it's going to help. And also it may, uh, not be as alarming as if I have it in my arms and I'm carrying it the whole way. And that's the first impression people see is me carrying that rifle instead of it being slain. So that's what I was thinking. Well, I can see that. You see, I, that, that's kind of more of a, in my mind, a more drastic event. Something has happened to such a degree that you find yourself basically having a need for a rifle for a 24 mile uh, hike back to the house. Reed, it could be just because Wayne Newton came back to perform on the strip and all the old ladies have blocked the roads. That's what it could be. Well, and you know, I'd want to be armed if there were that many old ladies on the street. <laughs> one of one of the last things, Reed, was um securing it. Um there are several thousand dollar options to secure it, and there are pretty cheap options to secure it. Kind of went uh I listed six here that were distant different ones. Um, trunk or truck vault, uh, they, they're really cool. I mean, I'd love to have one, but just the, just the cost of it to, uh, carry one rifle for me is just not, is not worth it. If I, if I did something that required those to be with me for work every day, that would be a really cool option to check out. Um, if I wanted to relive my Jack Bauer, you know, thoughts, but, those are running, I saw some from 700 all the way up to $2,500 to, to spend. And some of them are, um, in the consoles that you can do for cars or they have a, a really cool one for the trunk of the car that, that mounts in there that you can have access to. For me, I drive a truck. So it's actually taking about 10 inches of the truck bed, um, height and removing it and just sliding it in there and securing it to the frame of the truck. So that's cool, but. Two thousand dollars for that? Not really. Uh, not really in my budget. I can buy a truck gun and a gun that I really want to have. So, um, another thing that came to mind is the show that um you guys just did on the low profile AR carrying cases. Uh, if you have a job that allows you to take your AR into work or a carrying case in the work, or you're not going to get in trouble or it's not against the law. Um, that may be a great way for you to transport that in and out if you have that low profile case. Um, somebody posted a, on Facebook, like a, a guitar case that they had carried their AR in going back and forth and they were on vacation and nobody was the wiser. Um, you know, 
looked totally legit, but it fit, you know, like a glove for their AR. So there's several options there. So if you're, you're thinking that's an option for you and you haven't listened to that show with uh, JW and Reed, uh, check it out. That was, uh, the show number 146. Um, no, do you, do you remember the Tony Banderas movie where he calls in his brothers oh, and the one guy has man. the guitar machine gun? Oh, guitar case machine gun. <laughs> yes. do, do you guys remember that movie? See, I, I like that idea. <laughs> I see Reed carrying around a violin case. <laughs> Especially so, in a um, concert venue. You'd be right at home. <laughs> Good. There you go. Um, custom boxes for trucks and underback seats. Uh, a lot of YouTube um, guys using their own ingenuity to, to figure out ways to um, mount them in. Uh, a lot of where the spare tire is using that as a way to kind of anchor it down in the trunk or in the cab of a truck. So a lot of stuff on YouTube, um, big sky racks has uh, overhead gun racks. They're not locked. So that brings up the, you know, if somebody's going to break into your car, they're going to see it pretty quick because it's up. Um, case cruiser has some cases that uh, to transport, ARs and uh, handguns with and a, a whole variety of stuff. It would be pretty cool to see if I could secure that under the back seat of my um, truck or even in the trunk of a car because it's pretty bulky. It's pretty, it seems like it would take care of a rifle, um, whether you're going off road or whether you're just hitting potholes on the commute. It seems like it would take it uh, currently. Um, this is my setup. Um, it's not the greatest. But it is the cheapest. Uh, it's a couple of cables uh, that have uh, eye hooks on the end of them. And I, I wrap them around. I wrap them with cloth, go through the uh, magwell, out the ejection port, and I wrap them around the seat post and click two locks on them. Uh, yeah, they can be cut, but it's better than nothing right now. So really trying to... Uh, Taking my options, what do you guys think on securing uh, weapons in your vehicle? What experience have you guys had? I think the key, kind of like carrying handguns, is to keep it out of sight. Um, that there's no real reasonable um, justification for quote-unquote open carrying your AR in your car. Uh, it's just going to be that everyone sees it. Uh, you're going to cause a lot of drama. Uh, if you ever get pulled over for anything, it's just going to heighten the tensions that much more. Um, so keep it hidden away. It's going to keep it out of prying eyes. Um, maybe keep the stickers off of your windows, too. I mean, there's some cool tactical stickers out there, but walking around uh, a parking lot, I can definitely tell which one I would want to bust into in an apocalypse to uh, load up uh, if I'm running low on, on mags. Or at least um, see if uh, they're uh, practicing what they preach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so keep keep it out of sight. Um, yeah, it's cool to have something just hanging in the back window where you can just grab it, but it's going to be pretty obvious to anybody, hey, that's something I could probably get my hands on. Um, so keep it out of sight, whether it's locked up or whether it's in an incu- inconspicuous bag. Um, make sure you are aware of the local laws as far as whether you can have ammunition in the gun, outside the gun, in a different storage container than the gun. Um, look all that up. Make sure you're complying. 
You know, I I think that that really is, you know, rooted in, I think, something that uh, J.W., you may have said in the show, and it's that whole idea of a hide-in-plain-sight. And, you know, that's the point about not having stickers, using an inconspicuous bag. No one is going to suspect. You know, it's like you said, in an apocalypse situation, where are you going to go? Well, geez, you know, who's going to look at, you know, the minivan with a couple of baby seats in the back? You know, probably nobody. And they are going to gravitate towards, you know, the, you know, giant Jeep with the knobby tires, a bunch of stickers and, you know, sure. So hiding in plain sight is about being inconspicuous and not drawing attention to yourself by making choices that lead people to a given conclusion. Well, you know, you can always go the route of uh, Peter Palma and what was it he wore? His um, the unicorn t-shirt or something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, and then, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, I gotta tell you, J.D., when you talk about the cable and a couple of locks, uh, really, when you think about it, who breaks into a car with a pair of bolt cutters? Isn't that kind of the wrong tool for that job? Yeah, that's true. I mean, you never know what people are carrying around these days to to get what they want to get. But you you'd have to be pretty. Cra- I mean, you'd have to be looking for it to to find it. So the the cables are, you know, a pain. And honestly, my truck's not more than forty feet away from me at really any given time on a normal day. So right, you know, I tend to may have a small obsession with my truck, but no stickers, no stickers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the idea of a custom gun Am box... Am I a criminal for having bolt cutters in the back of my car? Well, it depends no. on your jurisdiction. <laughs> okay. Now, if you have uh, bolt cutters, duct tape, uh, zip ties, um, yeah, you might be building the kind of kit that uh, the cops are going <laughs> to question you about. You just have to be careful about the totality of the circumstances. Um, but, you know, custom gun boxes is something that I've always kind of been intrigued with. The the car I drive uh, would uh, lend itself to a custom gun box. Um, and, you know, really, for me, that kind of solution, I think, would be a better bridge for what I want in terms of safety and security. But, J.D., you're right. It's a, it's a heck of a big investment. So I think really when you go that route, it has to be for a larger purpose. Like, uh, are you a sportsman um, or are you, you know, in law enforcement or any number of things? You know, for me, I think it would make sense if I was going to, because just to have something where I know I could secure my firearms in a, like a truck vault uh, or a custom-made box, I think that would make sense. There's some pretty cool ideas out there at Ingenuity of people who've have done this, like the false false floors in the trunk that you're able to open up and store. You know, you may lose your spare tire area and it may be out in your trunk, but it it's solid, rock solid. Seems like it's all there, but then you know where to pop it and unlock it, and you open it up, and you've got you know plenty of space to conceal. There's there's a lot of great ideas out there on how to do this. So if you spend some time on YouTube, you'd probably get inspired to figure out something. All right. Well, does anybody have any thoughts about uh, where all of this discussion leads us in light of, um, I don't know, just general fears of 
chaos and mayhem and, and wrongers out in society. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different situations where you could um, see a carbine as a great asset to fighting your way out of a situation. Um, whether you're in a big group and you've got to get your get your way back to your car to kind of increase your firepower, or maybe you're a security professional that um, runs security at these events and they allow you to have some sort of uh, room uh, in the facility where you can stage uh, your rifles, where you can stage equipment that you're not going to keep on you during the event, um, but that it's close and it's ready. And so considering some of these options, hey, maybe you don't want to carry the rifle over your shoulder while you're walking past all the people waiting in line outside. Maybe you want an inconspicuous bag to, to carry it in. Um, so there's, whether you're, whether you're an attendee, whether you're a professional providing security, whether you're just out and about on your way to work, um, there's some considerations that you need to take for the rifle that is going to be as close at hand as possible, that it's going to be ready long term, that it's not going to require a bunch of maintenance and fiddling with and be real finicky. It's something that you can depend on to be reliable um, and to be uh, effective to, to increase your lethality if you need to be fighting back. How about you, J.D.? I think for me, the, the recent events and thing have led me to upgrade what I keep in my truck. I had a, uh, a Winchester 3030 lever action. Um, it worked. I was able to, you know, lock it in the back. But seeing everything and, and just the just the craziness in the world that we live today, I feel a little bit better knowing that I have more firepower in my truck that's close to me, whether it's at work, whether, you know, I'm out with the family doing something. Um, and just, you know, really actually thinking about some different perspectives after talking to you guys. Uh, tonight about this, about the, you know, familiarity and reliability and realizing that, Hey, if I take that hit and lose that gun, somebody steals it, you know, insurance and, th- and things like that. So that would probably open up my budget a little bit more for the firearm that I choose to uh, secure in my truck and even the accessories that I put on it. Um, I just think we live in a day and age where I'd rather be overprepared than underprepared especially living in a big city, um, living in a city that, you know, we have a lot of crime. Um, a, a lot of you know people come here to party and have a good time and end up doing stuff that they wouldn't normally do. So carrying a truck gun, having something in there that's an AR now, um, definitely makes me feel a little bit more comfortable just with my work situation, life situation, and to be able to get home to the family that depends on me every day. Hey, Anthony, what do you think? Well, you know, um, what does it read? Help me, help me out here. Um, your pistol is good to fight back to your long gun, basically, to your rifle. Yeah, you use your pistol to fight to your rifle. Yeah, so I mean, that's that's it. I mean, what you guys have already said is is basically just a longer version of that. That's what I think. You know, I'm I'm reminded of, of two events. Both of them happened here in Texas. So um, the art exhibit and a couple of fellows decided to go to Garland and. and Committed an act of terror, and the police were on scene and responded appropriately, and it never happened. But you know, the question that you know crosses my mind is, you know, what happens if something like that is going down, and you're there, you see it, and you have an opportunity to intervene? Really, where where should you be? 
And, you know, that is a very, very difficult question to ask because you can't really conceive of every permutation of a set of events that would lead you to a good result. But to, I guess, cross that with the other event, um, when the uh, uh, fella crawled up into the UT uh, clock tower and began uh, shooting at kids on the University of Texas campus uh, ages and ages and ages ago, it was civilians that went home and grabbed hunting rifles that fired back at this kid, kept his head down, and allowed law enforcement to uh, approach the tower and uh, climb the the tower itself and get on that observation deck or wherever that deck was so that they could confront the shooter. You know, once again, in today's day and age, uh, how happy would law enforcement be if, you know, a bunch of guys with long rifles showed up to help them out? I don't know. But, you know, when it comes down to it, I would rather have the rifle there so that when I'm in the situation, I can use my instincts and my knowledge and the circumstances to best guide my decisions. Because if I don't have the rifle, it doesn't matter what I think. I can't do anything. So... Any final thoughts? Was that drop the mic? That was the drop the mic moment for me. I don't know if I can add. I can't add anything. All right. Well, I guess with that, we'll go ahead and move on and kind of wrap up the the show tonight. So we are still giving away Otis Technology uh, tools and uh, cleaning kits. And this week's drawing, uh, David Gonzalez is going to be receiving a cleaning kit from Otis Technology. Well, actually, it's from us, courtesy of Otis Technology. But we want to let you know that we are 30 days out from giving away a complete Otis Technology Elite cleaning system, which is the big kahuna of Otis Technology kits. And so I can't... Yeah, I can't remember exactly which uh, drawing it is, but it'll be the closest to the 15th of December uh, where we'll pick a name for that. So all of you regular, uh, I guess, listeners, uh, don't forget to put your name in the hat for that drawing. All right. I guess with that, um, we should go ahead and close out the show. Um, so, uh, J.D., is that feedback, current feedback? Yeah, that came from Facebook this week. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and go over that? Lead us off, J.D. Uh, Sean wrote in. He said, do any manufacturers make a clone of a Vietnam-era M16? Always thought that version was the coolest of the AR family with its 20-inch barrel and triangle handguards. Uh, any guys? Any of you guys know if a manufacturer I got makes one. those reproductions? Now, did you make I got mine it? from uh, Royal Tiger Imports. And it was a complete um, Colt upper with a new uh, manufactured barrel. And I got myself a stock kit. I don't remember where it was from. But it's basically an M16A1 clone. Uh, it's an original receiver with the fixed handguard um, or the fixed carry handle. Um, but, yeah, real good price. Um, Who, who's that cool manufacturer build. again? I got it from Royal Tiger Imports. Um, I think they put it together in their shop, but 
the manufacturer itself is Colt. It's a Colt upper. So. All right. Well, Sean, there you go. Yeah. Anthony, why don't you take the next one since it's been a while? You want All right, to cool. get your work in. All right, get my voice working again. Um, this is from Joshua S. Uh, Josh says, uh, hello, I was re-listening to the, I guess he means SBR show. Nope, nope. Um, SPR. SPR? Mm-hmm. All right, I've been out for a bit. I've, well, I've got to be listening to some things. I, I was listening to the uh, SPR show, and I'm not sure if I heard Reed correctly or not, but I think he said you could find a bolt matched to a barrel for between $250 to $400, but I can't find any cheaper um, than 500 plus. I'm trying to get a parts list, wish list going for my SPR build. Thanks for helping clarify this for me. Hmm. So a Reedster? I thought I saw one on Brownells. And so what I'm going to do, research that and see if I um yeah, I think so we're going to go on hold, and we're going to have silence for the next 10 minutes while Reed <laughs> no, no, researches no, 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 it. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll, I'll get no. back to you, Check Joshua. out the show notes, and we'll get back to Joshua uh, on Facebook uh, directly, and uh, we'll definitely put the answer up uh, either on Facebook or the show notes or both, or we'll get back to you. All right. Well, J.D., why don't you read us out? Send any questions or comments to feedback at ar15podcast. You can also send us a recorded voicemail by using the SpeakPipe plugin on the right-hand side of the AR15 podcast. In fact, if you get the, those in, uh, I can bring them into the show for you guys. Uh, subscribe and listen to the AR15 podcast for free in iTunes or Stitchers. Uh, leave us a review so the show can place higher in searches for potential listeners to discover the AR15 podcast. Uh, share your pictures with us on Instagram at AR15 podcast and tag your fit pictures with the AR15 podcast. Uh, also check us out over at Periscope at AR15 podcast for live videos from events and uh, conversations about ARs. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash uh, AR15 podcast. And also check out the uh, great podcast on the Firearms Radio Network. And don't forget to use our Brownells affiliate link for all your AR15 parts needs. That's AR15 podcast backslash parts, also the Amazon affiliate link on the uh, firearmsradio.tv site, or go to firearmsradio.tv backslash Amazon. And with that, I think episode 148 is in the books. All right. Everybody, thanks. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Talk to you later. All right. President of the Firearms Radio Network wants us to record a commercial for our show. What are we going to do? I don't know, man. It's like uh, I'm freaking out over here. What, what should we do? We could talk about our guests, some of the great people that we've had on the show. Like gun manufacturers, part manufacturers, gun personalities on YouTube, people who write books about guns, TV personalities, all these different things. But I don't know how to put that into words. 
Yeah, or the fact that we're funny, but we're informative. I mean, how do we get that out there to the people? I don't even know. It's like, how do you explain that we're going to make you laugh, but we're also going to teach you how to build an AR-15? Yeah, I'm lost on this one, man. We are screwed. I don't know what to do. I mean, if I had to put it into words, I'd say something like uh, you know, a, a hilarious podcast about guns, gear, gadgets, and the issues that affect responsible gun owners everywhere. Howard Stern for the gun world. That's perfect. Hey, if you want to hear it or find it, where do you look? We like shooting.com slash show. I'll be there. I'll be back. Welcome to the We Like Shooting Show, episode 106. This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at firearmsradio.tv.